Welcome to the Real Life English Podcast, where we help dedicated English learners just like you cultivate the courage, the confidence, and the skills that you need to understand real life native English, to communicate clearly with people from all around the world, and to make your life an epic global adventure. Now, are you ready to go beyond the classroom and start living your English? Can I get an aw yeah? In this week's podcast, we're talking all about connected speech. It's a really interesting topic that will not only allow you to understand native English better, but you can also use this in your everyday speech too. There are also some differences between American, British, and Australian English, so we talk about these differences as well. You can even join us at having a go with a fun tongue twister too. And as always, if you head on over to our Instagram at reallife.english, you'll have a bonus lesson there on a particular feature of British connected speech. So make sure you head on over there as soon as you finish listening to this podcast. Yeah, boys and girls, citizens of the world, this is Ethan from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, convenient, and spectacular way to learn English. So download this podcast and listen to it while you're stuck in traffic, sipping a mojito by the pool, or even making a gourmet meal. Oh yeah, I'm joined here in the Barcelona remote studio, as always by the lovely Andrea. How's it going, Andrea? It's going great. I'm feeling good. Summer is coming. It's getting warmer in Barcelona and that always like gets me excited as well. How are you doing? Me too. I feel the same. It's kind of like having these sunny, warm days. It definitely just puts a bounce in my step. What does that mean? You say you have like a bounce in your step when you're feeling a little bit happier, right? Yeah. You can just imagine it. You know, you feel like more like you're walking on the clouds and you're super happy. You're on top of the world. It's another way you could say it. On cloud nine. All great expressions. We've got a bunch for that. So I tripped up there a little bit because usually it's us, the two of us, and Ollie. But Ollie is off this week, so it's just the two of us. But we have a very special lesson planned, talking all about connected speech, which I know is something that a lot of learners, we get a lot of requests for lessons on connected speech. I even use some connected speech in saying that a lot of, a lot of, instead of a lot of. And this is kind of like the bane of some English learners' existence with like studying the language because it can be very confusing. It can make you feel lost when we natives use it, when you're watching a TV series or listening to a native podcast and we just jumble all of our words together. And this happens in all accents of English, right? In American and British and Australian. So we'll kind of talk about some differences with that. Yeah, definitely. And it can be different as well in our different accents. So that's always interesting. But Ethan, you mentioned an interesting word there. You said the bane of some learner's experience. What does that mean? If something is the bane of your your experience or your existence or something, it's kind of like the worst thing or something. It's, it's almost like your biggest enemy or something like that. So I don't know, you could say maybe if you're like us, you really enjoy the summer, you could say winter is the bane of your year, the bane of your existence or something because you're just live for the summertime. Yeah. Maybe you find the winters really hard and you struggle through that season. Exactly. Which I know a lot of us do, especially during COVID that we were like, not only it's cold and stuff, but you can't even really go outside or anything. So a really great thing too with uh, today's lesson is that you can start to put it to practice because we have our app that we just launched 
the Real Life app, where you'll be able to practice your English speaking with learners from all around the world in fun, dynamic, and fast, well, not fast, I should say short conversations. And this can be a really great way to learn about other cultures and, you know, put into practice everything that you learn on this podcast. You can use some of the connected speech that you learned today. I would just say be careful not to abuse it because especially when you're speaking English as a global language with people from other countries and stuff, you want to make sure that you're still being understood. So the clarity is always more important than, you know, trying to sound like a native or anything like that. So you can choose whether or not you want to use these, but it's really important still that you learn about connected speech so that you can understand natives when you need to. And I think another really fun way that you could put this into practice on the app is by actually teaching some of what you've learned to other learners because teaching really is one of the best ways to learn, right? Yeah, I think by teaching, it really cements your knowledge. It sticks with you so that, you know, it can just become more natural to you. And the more that you do that as well, then it will just become so natural that you don't even have to think about it. So teaching others is amazing for that reason, but also because you're helping others. So it's it's great to, you know, do something rewarding as well like that. I couldn't agree more. So if you want to check out the app, if you haven't downloaded it yet, you just have to head over to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store and search for Real Life English and it should pop right up. And it will also be linked in the show notes of this episode over on reallifeglobal.com and in the description if wherever you're listening has that available. So definitely check that out because it's a great way to improve your speaking and to continue learning with this podcast. That said, we have a shout out for a very special listener and app user. Yes, yeah, so today's shout out comes from Gornaz, who has left us a five-star review saying the best app ever for learning English. It's amazing that you can meet people from around the world and have short conversations. The podcast part is exceptional. They provide show notes and a transcript so you won't miss a thing. Special thanks for the developers and those who are making this app. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Gornaz. Thanks so much for taking the time to leave a review of the app. So if you want us to shout you out, you can leave us a five-star review for the app, or you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review for the podcast. And the really great thing about this is that you're helping other people from around the world to have a lot of fun learning with us. That said, we have a burning question from one of our audience members and a fan over on Instagram. Yeah, so today's burning question I think was very fitting for today's topic and it comes from Dao Dadiop. So obviously this is an Instagram name, but thank you for your question and it's what is the best way to learn English without speaking to natives? It's a very good question. I think we've already hinted a bit about that, that of course we have our app that's available now that you can go and download and you can speak with other non-natives and learn all about different cultures. It's almost like, I like to call it like your passport to the world, your virtual passport. So I think that's a pretty amazing experience that you can almost feel like, especially during COVID, almost like you're traveling without leaving the comfort of your own home. Exactly. That's the amazing thing is that you can have the opportunity to learn so much about all these cultures without actually leaving your home. And like you said, in times like these, it's like an amazing opportunity. And I think also if you can't speak to natives, another really great thing that you can do is, you know, just surround yourself as much as possible 
by the language, which is something I think we're always preaching on this podcast. So get hooked on a, on a great TV series in English and try to watch with English subtitles. If you need, you can watch it with subtitles in your own language, or maybe you're advanced and you can even watch it without subtitles. Uh, listen to music while you're cooking in English listen to podcasts like this one, but also like you could listen to native podcasts. Exactly. So those are all fantastic ways to immerse yourself in the language. But then also remember that it's not always necessary to speak to natives as well. So as long as you're practicing speaking, that's what's so great about the app is that you're going to connect with so many other language learners. You might even connect with natives as well. You might even connect with Ethan or Ollie or me (laughs) because, you know, we love to pop on the app as well. Um, but generally, you know, the most important thing is that you are practicing speaking English and you don't have to speak with natives, but you can still listen to natives and consume lots of content that way. Totally. I think if you're getting plenty of that native input, it was going to help you to really refine your English so that when you're speaking, even if it's with non-natives, you're able to do it in a clear and an accurate way. So definitely focus on that as much as possible. Listen to English wherever you go. You can be listening to a podcast. You can relax by watching TV series or by reading a book in English or whatever is your cup of tea. And then you can actually put it all to use by speaking over on the app. So hopefully that's useful to you listeners, to our fan Daudadiop. And hopefully today's podcast will also be useful for your speaking because we're going to talk all about connected speech. Hey there, Real Lifer. Just a quick break from this episode to share a big announcement with you about the recent launch of the brand new Real Life English app, where Ollie, Andrea, and I, your Real Life Fluency Coaches, will guide you beyond the classroom to live, learn, and literally speak English in the real world, which is to understand natives, speak with anyone, and connect to the world. So how do we accomplish that with our app? To start with, you can listen to the Real Life English podcast, even this very episode, with digital transcripts so that you can follow along and develop your listening fluency, plus check dozens of definitions of all the most difficult vocab, idioms, phrasal verbs, slang, and much more that you won't find anywhere else or in any other podcast. And how would you like to develop real-life speaking confidence at the touch of a button by speaking with other learners while making friends across cultures? Sounds like a dream, right? Well, now with the Real Life app, it will be a dream come true. Download the app to listen to our podcast with transcripts and definitions whenever and wherever you want and speak with people from all around the world. What are you waiting for? Join our global community today by clicking the link in the description of this podcast or going to www.reallifeglobal.com app or search for the Real Life English app in the Google Play or Apple App Store today and let us guide you beyond the classroom to live and learn and speak English in the real world. Aw, yeah. All right, so first off, we have, I think, one of the most interesting letters when it comes to connected speech, because depending on which accent you're listening to, it can change a lot. And in connected speech, it can kind of like morph in different ways. So 
I imagine most listeners probably have heard before of the American tea, which is actually how we will change the T when it's between two vowels to a D sound, to like a soft D. So, for example, instead of saying butter, we'll say butter. Hmm. And would you say it that way in the UK, Andrea? So we wouldn't, no. But I am finding more and more, probably from the influence of media, that even in the UK, some people are using an American tea now. I am noticing it more. <laughs> but generally, we would use a glottal tea. So that's when you don't actually hear that T sound. It's it's like the flow of air is stopped and then released. So that would sound like butter. Or we would say it with a true tea probably more often. So that would sound like butter. Right. That's probably easier for some learners. So you can feel free to say butter. You don't have to say butter. Uh, but I think we natives, uh, Americans anyway, for us, we find it easier to do this kind of like American tea, which is kind of just a quick tap behind your teeth. When you say a full tea, it can sound a little bit forced or, or you can actually use that maybe if you're wanting to give a lot of emphasis to the word. I don't know if you're, if you're angry because you asked your, your husband or your wife to pick up some butter at the store, you might say, you didn't get the butter <laughs> to really add some emphasis to it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more efficient. I think I sometimes use the American tea now as well, depending on what I'm saying. Um, I wonder, maybe I'll say it during this podcast and we can point it out, but maybe if I'm saying the word better, like I better do this or something, maybe sometimes I might say I better do that. Or I've heard people as well, Brits say that. Yeah, and unfortunately we don't have Ollie today, but I think something that's really interesting is that a lot of the pronunciation sounds British, but they use the American T as well. So that it's like almost a combination, like saying like, butter, right? Mm, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> have to bring out my best Australian impression to fill Ollie's shoes. Yeah. What does it mean if you're filling his shoes? So if you're filling someone's shoes, maybe from the context, people can kind of understand that you're taking that person's place or something. We might say like too, that someone has big shoes to fill. It's mm. so like Ollie has big shoes to fill. He has so much personality and he's such a great host on this podcast that he has big shoes to fill. Yeah, that's a good one too. So let's give you some more examples of where you could hear these different kind of like morphing T's and how they would sound in American and British English. So run out of, most Americans would say run out of. Yeah, we would say run out of. So I think that's probably the most efficient way, run out of, like with the glottal T. And with the true T, it would be run out of. So again, it connects, doesn't it? That T would connect to the of. But would you reduce this even more as well, possibly? Like maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but it could even be reduced even more. Right. I think we were going to talk about that more towards the end, but you could say run out of instead of run out of. Mm. So it's important too to pay attention to what words get reduced. So like here we have run out as a phrasal verb. So like really the only thing that gets pronounced is the run, is that that verb. And the outa or out of gets really reduced. I mean, it, it sounds almost like a completely different word. So that's where it can get really tricky. And when you start to identify the words that get reduced, then you can pay more attention to the words that don't get reduced, which tend to carry like the main meaning and stuff, which I think is going to help you to start to understand better when this occurs, even if you miss one of the words. Yeah. And it's probably important to describe what this means because I know that phrasal verbs can also be a pain point for learners. So if you run out of something, it means 
that you don't have any more of it, right? So if you go to a store and you say, oh, do you have some milk, please? They might say, oh, sorry, we've run out of milk. Mm-hmm. Or they might say, we've run out of butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Connect them all. You're going to have a lot of a lot of connected speech there. Um, and something that's really useful, I think, for like phrasal verbs, for example, like this one, is to actually learn in chunks. So like for the sounds, right, that... If you just learn the individual words like what run means and what out means and what of means, then when you hear or you see run out of or you hear run out of, you're going to be really confused as to like what is that. But if you've actually like learned that in a chunk, that run out of means that you don't have any more or something or run out of or run out. I'm going to butcher that. <laughs> but if, you're, if you've kind of like learned that whatever accent you're learning, how that chunk sounds, then when you hear any of you use that, you'll recognize it right away. And Andrea actually just recently did a really fantastic lesson over on our Real Life English channel all about word chunks and why it's so important to use them to learn English. Yeah, that's a really good tip. And definitely check out that lesson if you haven't already watched it, because it's such a great way to learn new vocabulary and also to, to remember phrasal verbs like like you said. So we can link that in the show notes, which you'll find linked in the description of this podcast. All right, let's give another example before we move on. So this is another really common one you might hear, cat and dog. Mm, what is that? Cat and dog. <laughs> it sounds like one word. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a cat, the animal, cat and a dog, cat and dog. So I would say cat and dog. If I was using a true T, but with a glottal T, it would be cat and dog. The interesting thing there too is like, if we just said, if I want to ask like, do you have a cat? I would use also that glottal T, but when it's followed by a vowel, then it turns into that American T. So that glottal T is really important because I think it exists in every accent of English and it's a really difficult sound. I think too, that like most people, most English learners won't even really hear it, right? Because it's it's something that doesn't exist in their language. Yeah, I think depending on the stage you're at in your learning journey, like it can be something quite confusing because you might not understand the words that are being spoken initially. And maybe also if you're speaking, if you don't have those kinds of sounds in your native language, for you it might feel unnatural to use a glottal T. Because to be honest with you, sometimes depending on the words. Like I feel a bit strange using a glottal T, maybe because I'm a teacher and I'm used to kind of articulating things more clearly. Enunciating. Yeah, exactly. For me, it's so weird though, to use a, I, I do the same, but in natural speak, if I'm speaking with another American, it would be very strange. And it would sound, like I said, like overemphasized if I were using that true T. But that's not to say it's fine. If you want to use the true T, that glottal T is very challenging. The American T, maybe you find tricky as well. So if you prefer to use when you speak the true T, that's fine. And like anyone will understand you. And that's probably better too for like speaking global English like we're, we're talking about. If you want to be understood by someone from, from Germany, someone from India, someone from Japan, all in the same, let's say you're like in a business meeting, you want all these people to understand you, maybe it's better to actually try to really pronounce the the sounds and stuff so that everyone can understand you. But um, there's really no problem if you prefer to do that. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to know these and understand them so that it helps you to understand 
anyone. And then, you know, you choose whichever one you feel more natural speaking. Right. I think that that's a really important point is to feel, to do what feels natural, right? Yeah. It's awkward enough speaking another language and you don't want to do things that add to that awkwardness for you. Exactly. Like you don't want that doubt. So if one of these doesn't feel natural to you and you kind of stumble, you don't have to speak that way. Choose the one that you feel more natural with. Definitely. So to wrap up with the tease, I thought it'd be fun. Actually, we have just started a new talk show that's for English learners called Beyond Borders. And I just had a guest on who's an accent and pronunciation expert. Her name's Hadar and her channel is called Accents Way. So definitely look for, we'll have a podcast version of the talk show and you'll also find some clips over on our Real Life English channel and our Learners with TV series channel. But we did this tongue twister in yesterday's interview. So when we were doing it, I was really curious how Andrea would say this with that glottal T. So I wanted to bring it over and I thought it'd be a great way to give an example too of the American T. So should I go first with the American T or do you want to go first? You go first. Go for it. All right. Betty Botter bought some butter, but she said the butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. But a bit of better butter will make my batter better. So twas better Betty Butter bought a bit of better butter. Mm, well done. You did really well with that. It's not easy. So Andrea, do you want to go through this twice? You'll get some practice, I guess. Do it once with the true tea. You can bring out your, your Queen's English. And once with the glottal tea. <laughs> okay, sure. I'll give it a go. Betty Butter bought some butter, but she said the butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. But a bit of better butter will make my batter better. So it was better Betty Butter bought a bit of better butter. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so many teas. <laughs> that, that last line is really challenging, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Especially because it's got twas there. What what does that so um, twas. mean? Yeah, That's like a type of connected speech, but it's kind of like old fashioned, isn't it? Mm. Uh, which it's, it was, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like you would hear it maybe in stories like twas the night before Christmas or something, you know? Yeah. That's what I always think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So with a glottal T, I think this is going to be really challenging. I don't think I've ever tried it that way, but I'll give it a go. It's going to sound really weird. Okay. Bring out your best cockney. Yeah. <laughs> Betty Butter bought some butter, but she said the butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. But a bit of better batter will make my, ba- my batter better. Ah, so I want to say the tea. Okay. But a bit of better butter will make my batter better. So twas better Betty Butter bought a bit of better butter. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was amazing. So much better than I could have ever imagined. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't think it's meant to be said with a glottal T because it's even more of a challenge. <laughs> yeah. But I imagine there must be some accents of British English where it's like much more natural for people to do the glottal T than the true T here because maybe the last line sounded like kind of like too much, but yeah. I think for most of it, it sounded a little bit like the English that you'd hear on the street in London, right? Yeah, for sure. If you're Cockney, so if you're like from the east end of London or something, then that won't be a challenge for sure. <laughs> better, better butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to practice your British, or I'm sure you're American as well. So give it a go, listener. Maybe you can rewind and try to actually shadow us, shadow me or shadow Andrea, depending on which accent you're learning. So now we'll move on. We've talked a lot about the tea, but the tea is very important for sure. So now we're going to talk about something that also I think is 
universal for all accents of English. And this is the reduction or even like the removal of H from certain words, right? Yeah. So it happens a lot with pronouns, especially, I think, just because it's a way to connect those words and again, make your speech more efficient. Definitely. Yeah. So pronouns, of course, it's like he, her, him, his. So a lot of times with those words, we will drop the H. So for example, in the phrase, uh, love him or hate him, we would actually say love him or hate him in American English. So you have an American T there as well. I'm not sure if you caught that. Love him or hate him. Yeah. So I would say love him or hate him. So yeah, you don't just the difference with me saying it there is we have the glottal T. So you don't have that connection there. Right. But the H's still disappear. Did you even say like hate him? Hate him? Yeah, I did. Did you not say the H in hate? No, sorry. Uh, in him. Hate him. So I said, love him or hate him. Also, it even disappears there after the glottal T. That's, that's really interesting. So to give another example, this time with her, so listen for how this morphs. What's her problem? What's her problem? So it's what's her problem, but because we drop the H and the S from what's the question, what's, what is, connects to the her, but it ends up being just er, right? So what's her problem? Would you say that in the same way? I'd say what's her problem? So maybe that the sound for her is a little bit different because I'm not really pronouncing the R as much. Yeah. That's true. You have to be careful of that in British English. I think in in Australian English, it would be the same that you'd say, what's a problem? (laughs) It's a problem, mate. (laughs) Yeah. It just sounds like a schwa, doesn't it? And then finally, something to keep in mind too is the word them, although it's not an H, will often drop that TH and it will sound the same as him because we drop the H in him. So you'll have both of them just being like a schwa plus an M. So it's like, um, so we would say, I don't know him and I don't know them the same way. I would say it, I don't know him, I don't know him. So it's the same for both of them. So you basically, you'll, this can sound scary, but you'll probably know most of the times by the context if someone's saying like they don't know a group of people or they're just talking about like one man or something like that. So don't panic about that. I think anytime that you hear that, it will be very clear from the context, but just keep in mind that it could be that that TH or the H is dropped in him and them and that they'll sound the same. I think that's a really good point. And it's reminded me of a lesson we made on Learn English with TV series with One Direction, actually, because Louis Tomlinson in particular, who is from Doncaster in Yorkshire, he always reduces the TH, like it just disappears, even in words such as that. So he doesn't even say like that, he'll say like at. So he doesn't pronounce the TH and he doesn't pronounce the T at the end. That sounds really confusing. Yeah, it can be. Check it out if you haven't watched that lesson because it's a really (laughs) good one for understanding a variety of British accents because they're all from different places around the UK and Ireland. For sure. We'll put that in the show notes. So if you're learning British Connected Speech, definitely don't miss that. Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to understand real English without getting lost and without getting bored? Well, now there is. With our real-life native immersion course, we will take you on a 41-week real-life adventure of the English language, each week exploring a different topic connected to our goal to help you understand and use real native English and make it a permanent part of your life in a way that is fun, natural, and convenient. 
The best part is you can try it for free with our three-part power learning series. We will send it to your email. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod. That's P-O-D to sign up. Now let's get back to today's podcast lesson. So kind of coming back to tea, but this time it's got it's got a mate, it's got a friend. So we we reduce NT. But I don't know, is that just in American English or would you do that also in British English when you have an N plus a T? No, it's quite American, I think, this one, because I'm not sure, would you have it in Australian English? Ooh, I don't know that. I'd have to think. Maybe, uh, maybe they, I have a feeling that maybe they do it too, but generally we don't. Obviously, we might drop the T to make it a glottal or a true T, but I think this is a bit more special it's a bit more specific isn't it what happens mm-hmm. yeah so it's when you have an nt usually in the middle of a word or at the end of a word but it's followed by another word that begins with a vowel so to give you an example we just actually did a lesson on real life english about the difference between can and can't in american english which is also we talked about the bane before the bane of many english learners existences <laughs> that are studying american english is can and can't because they can sound very similar. So definitely check that out. We'll put that in the show notes as well if that's a problem that you have. But the example I'm going to give you here, actually this NT from can't uh, is a good example of this because the T drops. So I can't even, we'd say I can't even. But how would you say that, Andrea? I can't even. So you do like a connected speech there as well, but you change the A sound, right? And can't? Yeah, we have a long... Ah, sound. I can't. She said, I can't even. Yeah. But I feel like when you hear it in American English, it's like there's an extra N there. I feel like the N is quite prominent, no? You probably have like a slight glottal T, right? That That's still in there? Yeah. I can't even. I can't even. Yeah. I, I think there's a subtle difference. Yeah. In American, it drops all together. So it's, I can't even. I can't even. And This happens in a lot of words too. It's not always necessarily connected speech. It can just be morphing. So like in the word internet, we don't usually say internet. It's like a lot for our mouths to happen in the US. So we say internet or we don't say winter. We say winter, like the same as like the winner of the race or something like that. We say the season, winter, the same way, winner. Yeah, it sounds like winner, like when you've won something. Exactly. I think it's exactly the same. Yeah. So I think in British English, the difference is like, it's still quite, the word flows when you say it with this reduction of the T when there's an NT. But for example, with a glottal T, we'd say winter, winter. So there's still like a there's a pause there, isn't there? Whereas when you say it, there isn't. Exactly. It's kind of like that T is getting cut off at the back of your throat, whereas it's just like non-existent in American English in these cases. There's quite a funny example too from a movie, I believe it's called The Interview. It was like a, it was a very controversial movie because they weren't allowed to air it in movie theaters in, I think, a lot of countries because it was like offensive to North Koreans. I guess they were, they were uh, wanting to avoid some sort of conflict but it was still, I think this made it even more popular, people like watching it online and stuff. But there's a line in it where he says they hate us because they are not us, which in colloquial English, instead of saying they are not us, we'd say they ain't us. And there's that NT there. So it becomes the anus, which sounds like a certain part of the body. So that's why it's quite comical. So they hate us because they ain't us. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, in British English would be different and less humorous, right? Yeah. So it would sound like they hate us because they ain't us. 
So again, right. there's that kind of, yeah, there's that little stop of the flow of air there, which makes it different. Amazing. And then the last point that we have for you on today's podcast is something that we hinted at earlier. And this is how the sound of, whether it's the word O-F of, or it's like the reduction of have in contractions like could have or would have becomes just an uh a lot of the time. So do you want to give an example, Andrew? Yeah. So if it's just reduced, if we're reducing have to the v or of, it would be could have, would have, might have. But then it sometimes gets reduced even more, like you just said, so that it's the uh sound at the end. So it would be coulda, woulda, mighta. But maybe you would say them slightly differently. I think just the last one, probably coulda, woulda, mighta, because we have the American T there as well. So where might we hear this with the word of, O-F? This is interesting, actually, because so many natives confuse this as well. Like sometimes I see text messages or just something in writing and people writing could of with O-F, but when they actually mean could have, like (laughs) um, you could have helped me. Yeah. So that means you could have helped me, but people write it with of, you could have helped me, but grammatically that's actually incorrect. But natives make this mistake all the time. It's a completely different meaning. If you, I mean, it, it doesn't really have any meaning if you said you could have helped me instead of you could have helped me. Exactly. That's really interesting how natives can even like confuse the sounds with the writing. And I think this would generally probably happen with people maybe who are, are less educated or they're less conscientious of of their writing and stuff. But I think recognizing that natives make mistakes too can definitely be empowering for you English learners out there. So to give some more examples with the reduction of of, OF, there's kind of like an expression like someone's point of view. And we reduce that just to like a schwa sound, right? So it become point of view. And that also includes, for me, being an American, there's that NT at the end of point. So because of becomes a schwa sound, a vowel, we drop the T sound. So it becomes point of view, point of view. So it just sounds like poina. You don't even hear the T, it's gone, point of view. Yeah, and I think I would say point of view, point of view. So again, it's that glottal T with a true T, point of view. So the T does connect to of, point of view, but it's really reduced. And like you said, it could even just be the schwa sound. So point of view, point of view. Exactly. All right, so... Those are kind of like the four tips that we have for you today. Hopefully it's been helpful at the very least when you're watching a TV series later today or you're listening to some music. If you hear one of these things happening, I would definitely encourage you to really pay attention later today if you're watching a TV series or you're listening to music or something like that to see if you can recognize any of these things happening. So the transformation of the T or... If you're listening to like an American, if they drop the T with like an NT happening in a word or dropping an H or what we talked about with like have or of becoming a schwa sound, becoming a, definitely look for these and stuff because that's a great way to put into practice everything that you've learned today. And obviously it's very practical. So if you are learning British English, then you definitely have to head over to our Instagram because Andrea is going to cover something that is very unique in British connected speech. Yes, I'm really excited because this is actually something that's quite different and quite particular to British English. So I'm not going to reveal any more. You have to go over to our Instagram at reallife.english to find out more. All right. So thanks so much for joining us today on the Real Life English podcast. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode, or maybe we'll see you over on the Real Life app and have a quick conversation. So talk to you soon. 
One, two, three. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Then I have a couple great recommendations for you. First of all, check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Second, if you like our podcast, then our real-life native immersion course is perfect for you. It is the next best thing to studying abroad in an English-speaking country. Try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod to sign up. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.